Fair warning, I'm feeling it today. If I, this is a really weird transition, but hang with me. If I said the U.S.-Mexico border, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? <laughs> now, even if you're just remotely aware of the controversy surrounding the border, like something comes to mind, right? And I, and I would venture to guess that if we collected all the thoughts of everyone in the room about the border, unity would not make the cut. But did you know, or what if I told you that this last week there was actually a picture of unity at the U.S.-Mexico border that the church could actually learn from? Before I share with you that, that picture, though, I do want to introduce myself to those of you who are new today. My name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And our vision here at Element Church is simple. We exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect them into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. And I pray that you would experience that with us here in our church. And whether you're new or a regular attender, if you're here in the auditorium or on a video screen somewhere, thank you so much for choosing to be here. I'm so glad you're with us as we are ending today part two of a three-part sermon series we've been in called Glory. And in the series, we're walking through the last five chapters of the book of Romans in the New Testament portion of the Bible. Part one of the series was about how the glory of God changes us. Part two, we've been talking about how the glory of God unites us. And then part three, which starts next week, uh, we're going to be talking about how the glory of God gives us a purpose. So if you've missed any of the sermons so far, you can always catch up on our sermons on our website, elementchurch.life. And I would just say the past three weeks that I've been gone, uh, Pastor Steve, uh, Fred, our resident, and then Pastor Jared, they all did an awesome job uh, communicating God's word. I was so challenged and so encouraged uh, by their words. And so if you missed them, uh, make sure you get caught up online with those as well. And thank you to those guys too for, uh, for preaching God's word. Yeah, we can, we can do that. Uh, so also with the start of a new part of a series next week, it's the perfect opportunity to invite someone new to come to church. And we're talking about purpose and who doesn't want to live with purpose in life. And so it's a great chance to invite someone. Uh, I would encourage you to use the invite cards we put out on the chairs. There's more available out in the lobby. Just pray, take one and pray. God, who do you want me to invite to church next week? Uh, and let's hopefully bring some new people to hear about uh, God having a purpose in their life. So now you almost forgot. Let's get back to the border and unity. Now, on Monday of this last week, of this week, uh, two California professors set out on a project at the border to, in their own words, bring joy, excitement, and togetherness to families on both sides of the border. Ronald Rail, professor at Berkeley, and Virginia Sanfratello. I'm going to feel like Buddy the Elf. That's fun to say, Sanfratello. Virginia Sanfratello. Come on, you got to roll with me here. Uh, from San Jose State University, they unveiled three pink seesaws which spanned across the border through a slatted border fence that separates the U.S. and Mexico. I've got a really short video and a few pictures to show you, so you can watch that as I keep talking here. Uh, with the border becoming such a divisive and hostile topic, one of those professors said, the wall became a literal fulcrum for U.S. and Mexico relations. Children and adults were connected in meaningful ways on both sides. And then a Texas 
uh, based refugee and immigrant center, they said this, this was a beautiful installation at our border, which reminds us that we are all connected. We are all one. Let me say that again. We are all connected. We are all one. Now, if just for a moment, this would be refreshing, if just for a moment we were able to put aside our political ideologies, our distrust of this person or that person in the government, if we were able to, to put aside the debate over immigration, safety, security, and, and all of that, if we for a moment were just able to stop and look at that for what it is, two groups of people divided by a fence, yet unified by simply connecting over a seesaw. A picture that we are all connected. We are all one. And I wonder sometimes, Element Church, when our world looks at Christians, when our world looks at God's church, do they see border fences or seesaws? Hello. I'm going to need some help today from the believers in the room. So if I say something you agree with, it's okay to say amen. If I say something good, you can say that's good. If I start preaching, you can say, come on, preacher, preach, okay? It's okay. That was for Fred. In Christianity today, we have many differences, do we not? Lots of them. And those differences are not all bad, or at least they, they shouldn't be. Like, uh, each individual church, every Christian denomination, we actually unite ourselves over kind of particular perspectives on theology. We unite around uh, practices, preferences of the way we worship, structure or organization. So the, the, the problem is not in the differences though. We can actually be different inside of Christianity and still be united. The, the, the problem occurs when these differences begin to act as border fences, if you will, rather than seesaws, which keep us from, be, from reflecting the glory of God by being united in his name, that we all agree on the name of Jesus. Amen. In fact, you might be here today, or maybe you know someone who has struggled to believe in Jesus because they, they see all the divisions, all the dissension among the people who claim to believe in the same God. And listen, if that's you, if you're here today and you don't believe for whatever reason, I'm so glad you are here. Uh, you can keep on coming to our church and we will love you and welcome you whether you ever believe what we believe or not. And I'll be the first one to admit, like God's church, the Christian church, we have not done a great job over the years of reflecting God's glory through our unity. We just haven't. And it's probably getting worse, in American culture especially. Now I can't say that we at Element have, have done this or will do this perfectly, but I think the Christians who belong to Element would, would agree with me as much as we can control it. We want to live out the words of Jesus about unity. Do you know that Jesus prayed for our unity? He prayed for those of us who would believe in him. Isn't that awesome? In John 17, 20 through 23, Jesus, nearing the end of his earthly life, he prays this prayer to his father in heaven, a portion of it anyway. 
I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. So he's praying for us. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. You see that? That God's glory actually unites us as his followers. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Wow. That when we are united as God's church, not just Element Church, but the church, when we are united, we actually point people to the love of God. It's powerful. So here's the big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. It kind of sums up the words of Christ here. When we are united in the church, we reflect God's glory through the church. I asked for help. I didn't get any there, so I'll say it again. When we are united in the church, we reflect God's glory through the church. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's better. So if we really do reflect God's glory when we're unified, I think we've got to answer this big question. How do we stay united in the church? It's hard to do. Like my family of six, we can't even agree on where to go out to eat. And we're trying to unite God's church together. Right? So I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying Jesus prayed for it. And so it's something we should pursue at the very least. The main scripture, Romans 15, 7 through 13, as I said, Romans is in the New Testament portion of the Bible. It's a letter written by a man named Paul to a group of Christians in, uh, in Rome. And if you want to follow along with your own Bible, that would be amazing. If you didn't bring a Bible, we always put all the verses on the screens, unless I think of something that we didn't put on there and, and we added in. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, we give them away every week for free, and we want you to have one. We believe it's the word of God, so ask for a Bible out in the lobby, and we'll get, get you one free of charge. I want to start the reading today, not in Romans 15, but actually in Romans 11 with the theme verse for the series. Uh, I believe Romans 11:36 is the anchor verse for the final five chapters of Romans. We've been, kind of been talking about that. Uh, in fact, I believe Romans 11:36 is so foundational. It's so important. You could put Romans 11:36 before every section in all of these last five chapters, and it would make perfect sense. In fact, we're going to do that. I'm going to read Romans 11:36 and go right into Romans 15:7, and we'll see how they connect. Okay? Romans 11:36. For everything comes from Him. That's God, and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory forever to Him. Amen. Now, 15, verse 7. Therefore, see how it's connected? Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Amen. You see the connection? The glory of God unites us. So when we are united in the church, we reflect God's glory through the church. How do we stay united? The first thing I want to see is this. Number one, by accepting one another. By accepting one another. When Paul, which by the way, aren't you glad that God accepts you? Yes. Just as you are? Yes. 
Me too. <laughs> and Paul now says, therefore, so th that word therefore not only linked Romans 11.36 to what he's about to say, it, it also links uh, uh, the, the previous section of Romans 14.1 through 15.6, which Jared and Fred both preached on uh, the last two weeks. It links that passage now to what he's going to say. And in those verses that Romans 14.1 through 15.6, Paul challenges the Jewish followers of Jesus and the Gentile followers of Jesus to accept one another in their differences. That these Jewish followers and Gentile followers, they were fighting and quarreling and dividing and refusing to work together in God's kingdom because of their disagreement over things like circumcision, what foods to eat, what day to worship on, how we should worship, what religious holidays should we observe. And so Paul comes along and he sums up that whole passage in verse 7 with one sentence, therefore, accept one another just as God has accepted you. Again, how thankful are you that God accepts you just as you are, but doesn't leave you that way. He actually grows you to become more like Jesus, right? I got to add that in there too so that God will be given glory. So we accept one another to be united and God gets the glory. Now, please, please understand, this is so important. This is not just a blind accepting of anything someone wants to believe and any way someone wants to behave. This is not a, 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 an acceptance of clear and outright sin or just the disregarding of scripture. This was the acceptance of a difference of opinion in matters of worship, and really this was just an acceptance of people in general, allowing them to be in a different place in their spiritual walk than you are. Come on. Because we all grow in different ways, we grow at different paces. So Paul's like, just accept each other where you are. Because it's not about comparing each other, it's about comparing myself to Jesus, and if I do that, we all got a long way to go. Paul was like, because, of, because God's glory lives in us, and for the glory of that God, stop putting up fences and start uniting on seesaws. Albert Barnes, theologian in his commentary about this verse seven says this, Acknowledge one another as Christians and treat one another as such, though you may differ in opinion about many smaller matters in order to promote God's glory. And then the Jameson Fawcett Brown theologians in their commentary, they said this about the verse, if Christ received us and bears with all of our weaknesses, again, <laughs> may we also receive and be compassionate with one another in their weaknesses and by so doing, God will be glorified. Now, perhaps the greatest lesson, maybe it's the most recent one, so it seems the greatest, but the greatest lesson I've learned in my life on this specific subject happened this past June with a group of people from Element Church while we were touring Israel. Um, some of you might be in the room who were on that trip, and you'll remember this. While standing in line in Bethlehem, waiting to enter and see the cave in which it is believed Christ was born, our Christian tour guide was giving us kind of a rundown on the religious landscape in Bethlehem. Here's a picture of our tour guide. Big surprise, he's the one in the middle. 
His name, that was supposed to be funny because he doesn't look like we do. Uh, his name is Isa, which, interesting side note, in, Ar- in Arabic, Isa is the name Jesus, translates Jesus into English, so he has the name of, of Jesus. And I gotta say, if you just take away the skinny jeans and, and the haircut, that's about what I picture Jesus looking like, right? <laughs> right, right there, maybe a little bit longer hair. So if you don't know, Bethlehem is under Palestinian control. So the vast majority of Bethlehem, over 80% of Bethlehem, follows the Muslim religion. In fact, only 12% of Bethlehem identifies as Christian. And that includes Roman Catholic, Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, Coptic Christians, and Protestants. There's only a few hundred Protestants in all of of Bethlehem. So I asked our, our tour guide, I wanted to know, as we were standing in line, what faith do you belong to? I wanted to know. He's like, well, I'm Christian, which I already knew. I wanted to know what specific segment of Christianity uh, are you holding to? And his answer blew me away. It floored me. I I will never forget it for the rest of my life. Here's what he said. He said, with with only 12% Christians, with only 12% of Bethlehem being Christians, we need each other. So we choose not to divide over our differences, but unite over our agreements. Yeah. Woo! Now, he, he, did, he did share with us what segment of Christianity he actually holds to and, and, and follows, but that wasn't the point. This got me thinking, what will it take for us to believe the same thing in America? That we need each other. We need each other. How can we start uniting over our agreements instead of dividing over our disagreements? In in that moment, standing inside of a massive church structure built over a cave where we believe Christ was born, Isa reflected the glory of God by simply uniting with Christians he disagreed with. It leads right into the next thing I want us to see here, that when we are united in the church, we reflect the glory God's glory through the church. So how do we stay united? By accepting one another. And then Paul continues verse eight. Remember that that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. So Paul's just making it abundantly clear to both groups. Hey, God sent Jesus for everyone. Jew and Gentile, he's called them all into the family of God. And and then Paul, we're going to skip these verses, but Paul quotes some Jewish scripture, what we call the Old Testament, to prove that it was God's plan all along to bring Gentile people into the family of God. And he ends then with this statement, first part of verse 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because... You trust in him. So the second way we stay united, number two, is this, by aligning with one another. Yes, we should accept one another. But now we're going to align. That's different. Now we're going one step deeper in our unity. And let me tell you, this requires a higher level of humility to start to align, not just accept. 
Paul said may, may, to these people, may you, both Jew and Gentile, may you both be filled completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Do you notice the common denominator for them was not the way they worshiped, but who they worshiped? He was trying to draw them back to the thing they could align on, their trust in Jesus. Yes, amongst denominations and individual churches, amongst Christians, we have differences. Even inside of our own church, we have many, many differences. But not only does our hope, our joy, our peace internally come from trust in Christ, but our unity externally comes from our trust in Christ. It's Christ that we are aligned on. That we can, as God's people and God's church, at the very least, not only accept one another in Christ, we can align with one another for the glory of Christ by the building of his kingdom through our faith and trust in Christ with the single aim of reaching more people to put their trust in Christ as well. We can align around that. Now, I, I think we have a misunderstood ideal, a misunderstood picture of what unity really is. I, I think we kind of misunderstand what it means to be aligned with someone in the faith. I think we often view unity as uniformity, that everyone has to look, act, talk, believe the exact same thing, and if we don't, we're not unified. But that's not unity in my understanding. In fact, Paul, in another letter, he wrote a letter to a group of Christians in Corinth. We call it 1 Corinthians. We're super creative with our Bible names in Christianity. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, Paul says this, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. I didn't notice this until I was reading this in first service. I'm not... Like, I don't know music theory and whatnot, but I know this. When you sing the melody, if we all sing the melody, we're all singing the same thing. But when you sing harmonies, you're singing something slightly different, but still in the same key to accomplish a common goal. So he said, be, be in harmony with each other. It's okay to be slightly different, but now he's going to point us in the right direction. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind united in thought and purpose. Notice, Paul does not say, be united in your preferences and practices. Because I can promise you, even inside of, of this room, this church today, we will never, ever be united in our preferences and practices of how we should worship, let alone be united in our preferences with other churches. Like we'll have over a thousand people in church today. So guess how many opinions we will have on what songs we sang, how we sang them, and how loud they were sung. Over a thousand. 
And we have that many opinions about everything we do as a church, how we do it, and different perspectives on what we believe. So Paul's exhortation in 1 Corinthians, his exhortation in Romans 15, was not for us to be united in preferences, practices, and perspectives, but to be united in thought and purpose. That means there can be two different churches, two groups of Christians, even two individual Christians who have a completely different set of preferences and practices when it comes to worship. Different perspectives on certain matters of theology, but, but they can still be 100% united in their purpose. And what is the purpose of the church? To reach more people for Jesus and raise them up to be like Jesus. And we can all align around that. I don't care how you word it. That is the purpose of God's church. And yes, yes, there will be differences. We'll have differences in certain theologies. There will be some differences in methodology and preferences and practices and perspectives. But if we can agree on just a few things, essential things like Jesus is Lord and there is no other way to be saved, no other way to experience eternal life except by faith in him. If we can agree that the Bible is our authority, that God exists in a, in a perfect holy trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful for all of eternity. If we can agree that Jesus in fact is is coming back one day to rescue those who believe, to create a new heaven and a new earth. If we can just agree on a few basic Christian things, then we can begin to unite, align ourselves together in thought and purpose to reach more people for Jesus and raise them up to be like him. Yeah. This is what I Heart Wyoming's all about, by the way. Got a brand new shirt on. You can buy one out at the store. Shameless plug. <laughs> we want to see this entire state reach for Jesus. But the state can't be reached for Jesus with just Element Church. The state will only be reached for Jesus when the church, God's church, starts to work together. So two and a half years ago, we started this initiative called I Heart Wyoming. And over those two and a half years, through your generosity, we've given away over $200,000 to other churches around our state, trying to, to connect with them, partner with them, to elevate, expand, and reinforce the credibility of God's church in every single county. And we will continue that as God calls us to do so. And yes, we have some fences, if you will, that, that separate us as churches. We, we don't agree on every single non-essential belief in Christianity. We, we don't have the same preferences or, or practices. We don't have the same perspectives as every other church we partner with. But instead of focusing on the fences, we've decided to make seesaws we can build on. And that seesaw is Jesus Christ, life in him alone, serving our community for that community's good, for God's glory to reach more people. That's what we're doing. And listen, even inside of our own church, maybe a little bit pastoral for you here today, I hope and pray, hope and pray, 
that we can each put aside our own preferences and practices for how we wanna worship, our own perspectives on some non-essential Christian beliefs so that we can be united, aligned with one another to accomplish the vision that God has given us. I hope we can set aside when we walk in these doors, well, I hope they sing that song and when they don't, I'm upset. Or man, that music was loud. You are gonna hate heaven. Because all through scripture about heaven, it says it's full of people and it's loud. So buy yourself some earplugs, lift up your hands, and sing to the one we are intended to sing to. Listen. We don't respond to worship based on what song it is or how it's sung. We respond in worship based on the one we are singing to and what he did for me in my life. So when he rescued me from sin and death, whatever song we sing, I'm lifting my hands. Like I said, a bit pastoral. I'm not saying it's wrong to have preferences either. I'm just saying, if we tried to accommodate all 1,000 preferences today, it would be chaos. And we'd accomplish nothing. But we can kind of set aside some preferences, which I have to do and you have to do. We can actually align with one another in thought and purpose with the hopes that maybe through a college move-in day or partnering with the church somewhere in Wyoming, we can actually reflect the glory of God and reach more people for him. When we're united in the church, we reflect the glory of God through the church. So how do we stay united? By accepting one another, by aligning with one another. And then the last part of verse 13 says this, then, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew Poole, in his commentary, theologian, said this. He doesn't say just that you may have hope, but that you may overflow with confident hope. Such hope as may be like an anchor to the soul, to keep it safe and steady in the midst of storms and tempests. So, this one's really personal, okay? How do we stay united? Here's the third way. This is for you and me, individually. Be anchored regardless of one another. Be anchored regardless of one another. Meaning, no matter what so-and-so believes, no matter what so-and-so said on Facebook, no matter what they did to you, no matter how they have acted, that, that my hope is not anchored in what someone else believes. My hope's not anchored in how someone else behaves. My hope is anchored in Jesus Christ. Why? Because storms and tempests are coming. And sometimes those storms and tempests come from other people even inside our church. And if my hope is not anchored in Jesus, then when, 
when they believe something I don't agree with or they're behaving a certain way or they say something on Facebook, that starts to, to, to put schisms and, 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 and cracks all through the church. But when my hope is anchored in Jesus, well, now I can accept you in your weaknesses and you accept me. And now I can align with you in your difference of opinion. You can align with, with me. Why? Because I'm anchored in Christ. I'm anchored in Christ. What will it take for us to get to the place Esau was? We need each other. We need each other. Just a few weeks ago, we were... Friend, my friend Todd and I, we were on our annual prayer trip around the state of Wyoming. And my heart breaks for our state, gang. We need Jesus so bad. And we stop at every county line and we pray over that county for God to move in that county through those churches. And, and we ask people at gas stations, restaurants, hey, is there any church in town you know of, one you could recommend? We had two people on our trip I shared this last year too. Two people on our trip this year, only two could name a church in their town. Something's wrong. And on our trip, this is completely off script, okay? On, on our trip, on the last day was Sunday, we wanted to worship somewhere, so we chose a church. I won't tell you where it is or what it is. We chose a church that we had a mutual connection in this church averages about 22 people on a Sunday. They come from a very, very uh, traditional, it's a Methodist background, very traditional, very rote, very routine. And we walked into that church and they had announcement time. I mean, they're so small and unstructured. At announcement time, they opened it up for anybody to give an announcement. And so he's like, yeah, Aunt May's having a garage sale and uh, love for you to come out. We're selling some old stuff. You know, and somebody had surgery and, and then our mutual connection said, well, I, I have an announcement. We have some friends here from Cheyenne. They're from Element Church and they've been actually traveling the state praying over every county and they do this thing called I Heart Wyoming. So they said, why don't you guys share about I Heart Wyoming? And so Todd, I made my friend do it because I'm a pastor. <laughs> I was off that day. So Todd stands up and kind of, tells him about I Heart Wyoming, what we're doing, all that kind of stuff. And he sits down and then the pastor stands up in a Methodist, if you know anything about church, this will shock you, in a Methodist church, the pastor stood up. It was his second Sunday there and says, I have a word of prophecy to speak over you. And he spoke a word from God over us that only the Holy Spirit could have said through him what we had already said amongst ourselves. And here we are sitting in a church, 22 people, wooden pews, stained glass windows. They did the whole stand up, sit down, repeat this, repeat that. They sang songs I could care if I never sang again. But listen, I experienced God in that church that day. And that, listen, hold on, you can, yeah, thank you, but hold on. That pastor wants to see his community reach for Jesus. And so while we may not believe the exact same thing, or we may not worship the exact same way, we are after the exact same goal. To reach people for Jesus, to change the spiritual landscape 
of this great state that we live in. Church, let me tell you, we need Cheyenne Hills Church. We need Calvary Chapel. We need First Baptist. We need North Cheyenne Baptist. We need, we need all the Baptists. We need Second Baptist. There's a lot of them. We, we need... We need Pentecostal churches and traditional churches and modern churches. Why? Because we are the church. And we need each other. We need each other. Todd and I sat in that church and wept that day. Because only God can do something like that. And that's what I'm praying. Only God. Only God can, can unite us. Only God can help me accept you and you accept me. Only God can align people with massive differences to accomplish a common goal. Only God can be the anchor for our soul. And I'm praying, church, that we're anchored in Jesus. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you allow us, you allow us into your presence. And you accept me in all my weaknesses and all my struggles and all my sin and you still allow me to be a voice for you blows me away God Lord help us accept one another help us be aligned help us be anchored in you we love you God and give you praise in Jesus name amen thanks for letting me go off script there if you're new here I would love to have you stop by the living room before you go if you need prayer for something, stop by the purple tent all the way in the back of the auditorium, and we'll pray for you as long as needed. I love you guys so much. So glad this is my church home. Have an awesome week. Part three starts next week. You're dismissed.